shepherds left their flocks by night to see this baby wrapped in light. A host of angels led them all to you. It was just as the angels said, you'll find him in a manger bed, Emmanuel and Savior, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. A star shone bright up in the Bethlehem, the wise men three came many miles and journeyed long for you. And to the place at which you were, their frankincense and golden myrrh, they gave to you and cried out, Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Hallelujah!
Welcome to Blue Christmas. That hope we have is what's sustaining us right now. The hope that, and the hope that we know, we don't even have to hope, we know our loved ones are up with God right now. And this next song really kind of reinforces it. And the words are going to be on the screen for the next song. My mom died two weeks ago. You need help sing this with me. It's going to be tough. She helped me learn this song last year when the team asked me to sing this song because I didn't even know it. Her love of music and singing, she trained me and got me to sing this last year. So today, I'm dedicating it to her. Please dedicate it to your loved one who's not here with us today as well. I don't mean to hijack this or make it about me or her. It's about your loved one as well and the suffering that we're all going through because we got left behind. Someday we'll get to be there too, with them again. And that's what this next song says. Christmas really hurts this time Cause you're not here to celebrate with me Memories flood my mind It's a place to ornament upon a tree Amazes me. 
Thank you so much, Mike and Doug, uh, for leading us. That's not easy to do, is it, to sing uh, when you're grieving and to know that your mom just two weeks ago uh, saying goodbye to her. I want to welcome you. I'm Jonathan Schaefer. I'm one of the pastors here at Grace. And as I was at the welcome desk, as so many of you came and I looked, and I, many of you I knew, I thought, this one lost a husband, this one lost a child, a son, this one a grandparent. Some of you I didn't know, and we had a chance to talk, but... We come with all of our different losses, um, and yet we share a grief that is common. And we look to the same Savior, Jesus, who, who comforts us in all of our troubles. In Psalm 32, we're doing a Bible reading this year as a church family. And two days ago in Psalm 32, we read this, The Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. The Lord's unfailing love. If you think of that today, that his love surrounds you, those who trust in him. Just your being here today is an indication you're saying, I'm coming because I, I'm not sure where else to turn. Uh, I turn to Jesus because in my grief, I believe he has the answers. We're so glad you're here. This is not the only time we have to remember. We have a grief group starting up next month or Retreats like Making Peace. There's other gatherings. We have numerous counselors here. If there's ever a time that we can come alongside you and you're feeling like, wow, this is just hard. 
um, feel free to be in touch. We would love to stand with you uh, in the journey. And that's why we're here as a church to say, we really believe that the Lord's love surrounds those who trust in him. And he gives that as a free gift to us that we can come to him. So thank you for being here today. Uh, the whole team, I won't try to mention, but you'll see on the back of your program, all of those who have been planning for this day for months and months. And it really was birthed out of some of them years ago saying, in our grief, what can we do to, to come alongside others and to bless them? And it's just blossomed into what you see here today. So to all of them, a big thank you. And thank you for being here. And, and we look forward to seeing the picture of your loved one in just a little bit. Let's pray together and ask the Lord uh, for his presence to surround each one here. Lord, we love you today. We thank you that in the midst of grief and sorrow, when our hearts are heavy, Lord, whether our loss was two weeks ago or maybe two decades ago or somewhere in between, Lord, I thank you that you stand with us in our grief. Um, Lord, you know our stories. You know the details of our loss. Uh, you know everything about uh, the state of our hearts. And today, Lord, thank you that your Holy Spirit can come and just pour out comfort and grace into every person here. So we just invite you to do that. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way uh, among us today. Thank you for Jen and for uh, Debbie as they prepare to share testimonies, for those who will lead in worship, for Lord, the time of remembrance and seeing the pictures, Lord, in every aspect of this service, uh, may, may your name be honored. May our focus be on you and your promises. And Lord, thank you that you see us individually. You know, you know us and you love us. And so we just say right now, our trust is in you. So we bless you and we love you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you again for being here. I'm going to welcome Chandra now just to give an intro on this time. Chandra, thank you. Good afternoon and welcome to Blue Christmas. Blue Christmas. That's the kind of title that kind of has a sad connotation to it. I remember the first time I heard it or the first time I walked through those doors. It was that time I realized why I was here and I was admitting that I was grieving. But we are so glad that you have decided to come. Those of you engaging online, those of you in the room with us. This ministry is created through love, compassion, and empathy for grievers by grievers. We've been praying for you throughout all of our planning. Every detail, every verse, every song is thought about very carefully and prayed for with you in mind. We are here because we each have a loved one who became a treasure in heaven. It's because of Jesus' birth and resurrection, though, that we can find peace in God's promise of heaven. And we pray that through our service, you find hope, peace, healing, joy, and strength. That can only be found in Jesus Christ. Let's join the worship team as we sing of God's goodness.
Everybody say a Merry Christmas Everybody smiling, singing happy songs But this December your world is unraveling And you don't feel like singing along Friends are singing cards with warmest but you're feeling lonely like the winter wind So take your heart back to the center of the season And there you see the gift that came to us in Bethlehem Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ He is heaven's love Keep your fears from falling As sometimes what's most painful Are those holidays But Christmas shows us that are cared for us deeply The same boy in the manger Will hold you still today I'll be reading from the Old Testament, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Psalm 62, 8. Trust in him at all times, you people. 
pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Psalm 143.8 Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go, for to you I entrust my life. Speak the name of Jesus over you In your hurting, in your sorrow I will ask my God to move I speak the name cause it's all that I can do In desperation I'll seek heaven And pray this for you I pray for your healing Circumstances would change I pray that the fear inside would flee in Jesus' name. I pray that a breakthrough would happen today. I pray miracles all over your life in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Testament. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 4. We are confident of all this because of our great trust in God through Christ. Romans 15, verse 13. 
May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That hope that Krista just read from the Bible. Hope, it's a small, simple word, yet has such significance for our lives. You see, in the secular world, hope is really just a want or a long for the outcome that makes our lives better than it currently is right now. It holds so much doubt that life will ever be better than what it is. And that's exactly what the word hope meant to me at the time of my loss. I felt locked as a prisoner of the past with doubt for a promising future. I'm speaking to many of you today who may be looking at the word hope in a similar way. And those of you that are sitting here and struggling with having hope, I believe my message is for you. My name is Jennifer Hangstaller. And I'm here to share my story. Like many of you, my story began with such deep grief. But I do believe that grief is the last act of love that we can give to those we loved. And where there's deep grief, there is great love. June 14th, 2002 was the last day that I would ever get to see, to hug, to smell, to spend time with, to share my life with my hero, as I called him, the love of my life, my husband. On this day that was supposed to be meant to celebrate my 33rd birthday, I believed all hope had been lost. This was the day I lost my happily ever after. This was the start of my forever shattered dreams. This was the day my husband of only three and a half short years went home to be with the Lord. Not only did he leave my life, but he also left the life of my six-month-old son and our unborn child, who I had just found out I was pregnant with the day before he passed. Talk about God taking a life and giving a life. So on on June 13th of 2002, my life seemed perfect and full of great hope. And less than 24 hours later, everything would change. John was rushed to the hospital at 4 a.m. in the morning after seizing in our bed from an undiagnosed rare blood disease that caused his organs to bleed out and shut down. The first hospital life flighted him with me on board to the second hospital where I was so hopeful of a simple diagnosis. I mean, he was a young man and the thought of him passing never even crossed my mind until just 17 hours later. I remembered feeling like I was floating so high in the air, looking down on somebody else's body and thinking, whose life was this? In a quick blur of one day, I not only found myself unwed and alone, but I realized I had suddenly become a single parent and wondering how on earth could I possibly ever face this defeating task. Unbeknownst to me, my sweet, baby, happy boy, (laughs) would be my only reason for getting out of bed every day. I had to take care of this son that John was so proud of. 
I had to do that for him, I thought. But if I'm being completely transparent with you all, I struggled every day with the desire to live just one more day. I remember shortly after John passed, I was flying to Georgia to visit my sister for a little while, and I had Alec on my lap and my unborn daughter in my stomach. And I prayed the entire flight, please, Lord, let this plane crash. The thought of killing myself and subsequently my unborn child and leaving my son an orphan was never an option. But if this plane would just crash, then we could all be reunited together and not at my own hands. As I stand here before you today, you can see that that prayer was not answered. But I came to the end of myself at that moment. That was the beginning of my faith walk. You see, I grew up in a home that we went to church every Sunday. We prayed the rote prayers. We followed all the religious rules. But if you had asked me then, and I would have told you that I believed in God, unfortunately, I never really knew what it meant to have a personal relationship with Jesus. The faith I had 20 years ago was contingent on whether or not my circumstances were favorable. I know my parents did the best job that they knew how to do. However, that faith that I had was greatly lacking, and it certainly wasn't one that could possibly endure such a tragedy. I was at, it was after John passed that I began to long for that knowledge of life after death. I needed to know and be reassured that we would be reunited again one day. And I had absolutely no idea how God was working in my life, but he really was. Have you ever wondered about signs after the death of your loved one? Let me tell you, although I didn't know it at the time, my signs were what catapulted my faith walk. I had so many that occurred over the last 20 years, but I'd like to share just two with you. My very first sign from above was just a few short weeks after John had passed. I had been somewhat of a recluse, not talking to people, not leaving the house, not turning on the television or watching TV or listening to the radio, except for the funeral arrangements. That's the only thing I had done. I was headed to my OBGYN appointment to hear the heartbeat of my daughter for the first time. And I just prayed so hard the whole way there. I wanted to know that my husband was there at this monumental appointment. I wanted to know he was listening to the heartbeat along with me. And so I prayed, Lord, please give me a sign. I need something more than just the wind blowing. I need the biblical burning bush. I need to know it's a sign. Like if I could turn on the radio and hear that Josh Groban song that we sang at your funeral to where you are, I would know that that's a sign. So I turned on the radio in my car only to be very discouraged and not hear that song. I continued on into my appointment, opened the door to my doctor's office to Josh Groban singing that song in the waiting room. God was speaking to me, or someone from above. At that time, I thought it was my husband. And let me just tell you, the people in that waiting room thought I was one emotional, hormonal pregnant woman. <laughs> because the tears just flooded as I heard that song. So if that wasn't enough of a sign, as I'm driving back home from that appointment and hearing the beautiful heartbeat of my angel baby, 
I started to say, that was just a coincidence. How could that really have happened? But in the Christian world, we know that there is really no such thing as coincidences. Everything, especially something that great, is orchestrated by the all-knowing God. I arrived back home to a friend who was staying with my son, and I remember her standing at the sink washing bottles for me. And she said, somebody just called and left a message on the answering machine. They, they, all they said was, turn on Oprah. So I proceeded into the house, turned on Oprah, and there was Josh Groban singing the same song, To Where You Are. I knew at that moment for certain someone from above was speaking to me. And that was the start of me being very heightened to the signs from above. And then six months later, my beautiful angel baby, Grace John, came into the world in place of her father. And so my sleep-deprived, nonstop, hectic life with two babies just 13 months apart would begin. My second story also began shortly after John's passing and continues to occur to this day. I began noticing one single dove on the wire in the back of our yard. Every time I'd stand at the kitchen sink or actually any window of my house, I would always see this one dove just looking at me. And I know it might sound crazy, but for some reason that I had yet to learn, I was washed with such a calming sense of peace every time I'd see that dove. And I never could understand why. Later, I learned of this Bible verse, Philippians 4, 7, that says, Let your requests be made to God, and the peace which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and minds through Jesus Christ. When I learned of that verse, this peaceful feeling that came over me every time I saw that dove made perfect sense. <clears throat> we called this our daddy dove, the kids and I, because back then I believed it was John watching over us. It would join me every morning. I'd sit on my patio next to our daddy uh, memorial garden. It would coo so loudly every morning I'd be waking my kids up for school. It'd appear everywhere we go, just one single dove, a bird that is known to mate for life, and yet we would always see that one dove as if for our viewing eyes only. It was at family events, at friends' houses, at parks, on vacations, like sitting at the lounge chair at the pool in Florida. It was everywhere. The 14th year anniversary, my kids and I spent in Bahamas on a missions trip, which, by the way, was the first year my children and I actually had done something fun in memory of their dad, and the first year we had done something to celebrate my birthday again. I'm now honored to share that special day with John who went home to be with the Lord that day. However, the most memorable dove moment was in Jamaica on the 15th year anniversary of his passing. And on that day, my kids and I decided to make a very lofty trek up 80 to 100 steps to an observation deck that overlooked the beautiful rainforest and then the ocean beyond. It was surely a God creation. And to our surprise, a local Jamaican man followed up behind us purely because he said he felt led to do so and he wanted to share something with us. And we were the only people on this deck at that time. To my surprise, he pointed out a dove 
that had made its home in the rafters of that observation deck on that day of all places. It was quite unbelievable. My kids make fun of me all the time about our daddy dove. <laughs> they say every time I see a bird, I think it's a dove. <laughs> but you know what? It brings me comfort and peace. It wasn't until after John's death when taking a class with senior pastor Donald Schaefer that I became aware of the significance of a dove in the Bible. It, biblically, the symbolism of a dove is equal to peace. And in the story of Noah's Ark, the dove symbolized new life, new hope, and a world that had been restored. My life was being restored. It was then that I began to realize that perhaps our daddy dove was actually a far greater daddy than the man that fathered my children. But rather the daddy or the almighty father showing me, showing us that he is, that he was, that he will always be there for us, showing us. So as the Lord has shown me throughout the years of how he has been at my every need, I pray that your faith in time will also increase as your eyes look to him and his ways of showing you he is also with you. Now, I can't stand here before you and say that life over the past 20 years has been easy or full of great, joyful circumstances. But I can promise you that it has been 20 years of growing in my faith every time I had seen God show up. I began believing and trusting several verses in God's word, particularly Philippians 4.13 that, says, that states, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Without Christ's strength, I could have never gotten through all of the last 20 years, including the passing of my sweet dear mother just two and a half years after losing my husband, and then dealing with grand mal seizures and the diagnosis of my daughter's childhood epilepsy. But God works, God's word is clear that he will do for his children what they cannot do for themselves. And I can't count the times how many times I asked the Lord to not only get me through the day, but begged him to just get me through the hour, especially alone with two babies. I had so many moments of great weakness, which I'm certain that there's many of you feeling that way right now. Know that human weakness provides the ideal opportunity for God to display his divine power. And in his power, his power is made perfect in our weakness. I've also come to believe that we're filled with God's Holy Spirit not to do easy things, but to do the impossible things, like have such faith and hope in our grief and our current circumstances. As Isaiah 40, 31 reads, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. So my prayer for you it is to have hope, not the secular hope, that implies great doubt or uncertainty or lack of assurance, but the biblical hope that is confidently expecting something good in the future. I love how God works through some of his words. And this morning in my morning devotion, the title of it was, The Key to Your Future is Hope. There's a reason the word hope is mentioned in the Bible over 129 times and is one of the most important virtues in Christianity, along with faith and love. 
If you're doubting him and his power right now, take to, take to heart these two things. First, it's not uncommon for those grieving to question and doubt God, especially when our why questions go unanswered. I too can speak to that. But Pastor Jonathan literally just mentioned this in this last week's message, that we do have the answer to the who question, and that is Jesus. After witnessing how he has come alongside me these past two decades, I am confident that he is with you in the form of the Holy Spirit, and he will intercede for you even when you don't have the words to pray. Although we cannot see his reasons or understand his ways, my life verse has been 2 Corinthians 5-7, which is to live by faith and not by sight. What we see is just temporary, but what we don't see is eternal. So, for faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. As I close this afternoon, I would like to invite the only two reasons 20 years ago that I had wanted to live. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for these two divine blessings. I'm reminded of the quote that my sweet daughter told me many years ago when she was in elementary school. She was so little, maybe second or third grade. And she said to me, Mommy, maybe God took our earthly father so that we could come to know our heavenly father. From the mouths of babes. I'm confident that we, all three of us, will be reunited with both of our fathers one day in heaven. And like Pastor Jonathan states frequently, there's still another chapter to be written, and that chapter will be unending. And I pray that you too, if not now, in time will join us with this reassured hope. And we leave you with these words from the Lord, Romans 15, 13. Up on the screen... May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust him too, so that you will overflow with hope by the Holy Spirit. Thank you.
Helen Keller once wrote, we bereaved are not alone. We belong to the largest company in all the world, the company of those who have known suffering. I think most of us here would agree with those words. I'm Deb Morbido, and our grief journey began 11 years ago. My husband, Jim, and I raised five wonderful children, four daughters, Kristen, Marianne, Melissa, Kathleen, and our youngest son, Jimmy. We were so excited to have our boy, and the girls adored their little brother. Like most parents, we had our share of bumps along the way. Life was good, and as parents, we did the best with what we knew. However, we did not realize that the trajectory of our lives was about to change. This new narrative would be one of deep sorrow and also of great joy. One thing you learn quickly while raising a family is, so this is why our parents would lament about while saying, someday you'll have a family of your own. In hindsight, we would all be perfect angels if we knew the pain of parenthood. When Jimmy was in the third grade, we learned that he had developed attention deficit disorder. During that time, we were worried, but thought, well, that's not so bad. At least it's something we can work with. The pediatric neurologist suggested medication. In the fifth grade, he developed symptoms of Tourette's syndrome. He clearly had a series of visible tics. I think that most parents could understand the trauma this could cause an adolescent boy. He was always very self-conscious of these tics. Depression and general anxiety disorder would later be added to his medical history. Jimmy was such a loving little boy, and that trait continued into adulthood. We were also struck by how he was not embarrassed to show affection even in those awkward teen years. I sometimes believe that this affliction is what kept him humble and kind. He was also a bit of a comedian, always finding some humor in everyday things. His many shenanigans kept us laughing. He loved playing basketball and playing his guitar. Both helped ease his tics. Not long after graduating high school, an overdose of his prescribed medication almost ended his life. We rushed him to the hospital, and after being stabilized, moved him to Metro Behavioral Health for a week of observation and counseling. I remember that he really wanted to get out of there. He felt like he didn't belong. He begged me to call and get him out, but since he was over 18, there was nothing I could do. This broke my heart 
but we knew he needed help. Jimmy had gone through some trying times with the girlfriend relationship, and most of his friends were away at college. He was also trying to find the strength to endure seeking a job. He was so broken. I felt so helpless. I talked to him, cried with him, and I told him to call on Jesus. How he prayed for this boy. I have some regrets in that I was not always sympathetic as I could have been, not realizing that he was genuinely struggling mentally. One thing about mental illness is the signs are not always visible. What we, make it, what we may think is trivial to him was monumental. Some would confuse depression for laziness when he was truly just trying to make it one more day. Then it seemed like a miracle because sometime in February of 2011, right before his 22nd birthday, he seemed like a new person. He seemed to be taking better care of himself. My husband and I were so excited to think that this broken boy was pulling himself out of that pit. We were so hopeful. We gave him a big sandwich hug and said, we have our old Jimmy back. April 15th, 2011, Jimmy stopped to visit me at work. When leaving my office, while waiting for the elevator, he called out, Mom, wait. He ran over, gave me a kiss on the cheek, and said, I'll see you later. Love you. If I knew that this was the last time that I would hold my beautiful son, I would never have let him go. Later that night, I fell asleep while waiting for him to come home. I woke up at 1.05 a.m. I was in a panic because he wasn't home. I woke my husband telling me that something's wrong. He would always call if he were going to stay somewhere. He wasn't answering his phone. My husband went out to look for him while I was on my knees praying to God for his safety. About 2 a.m., the police pulled up in the driveway and told me that there was an accident and that Jimmy was deceased. All I remember was screaming uncontrollably. He didn't want to drink and drive, so he and his friend called another friend for a ride. At some point, Jimmy wanted out of the car and wanted to walk. He was so close to home. He passed out in the street and was struck by an oncoming car. He was not supposed to drink with the meds that he was on. One of my fears had come to fruition. One of my biggest fears had come to fruition, losing one of my children. How could this happen? God, why? How I prayed for this child. There were times he was on several prayer chains. I was so trying to get him in church, and now it's too late. I blamed myself. How could I fall asleep? I'm his mom. I was supposed to protect him even at age 22. God, is this punishment for my past sins? Did I not pray enough? Did I not pray right? Was he alone? Did he feel pain? The most agonizing question of all, his eternal home. He wasn't in church, so that question haunted me. 
I hold on to the thief on the cross. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. In the book, A Grief Observed, C.S. Lewis said, no one ever told me that grief felt so much like fear. I became so very fearful. And then I read Psalm 56.3. When I am afraid, I trust in you. At that time, trust was a difficult ask. I couldn't listen to music. Will I lose another one of my children or grandchildren? What are we going to do? I couldn't pray. Could this be the end of us? It all seemed like a bad dream, and we would wake up with Jimmy walking through the door. Russian author Fyodor Dostoevsky once wrote, The darker the night, the brighter the stars. The deeper the grief, the closer is God. God was close. People were dropping off food, cards, and books. People came to sing outside our home. Our family was so loved on by so many serving as the hands and feet of Jesus. People from Grace Church were calling to check up on us and pray with us on the phone. People from our old church did the same. Many of Jimmy's friends reached out to us with stories of his kindness. The love was so overwhelming. God finds a way when there seems to be no way. In my grief, I learned that there was another in the fire, and his name is Jesus. Jesus knew suffering. In Romans 8, 17, Paul says, Now if we are children, heirs of God, and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Where is my trust, I thought. Jesus is telling me to trust him. Psalm 28, 7, David said, The Lord is my strength and shield, and my heart trusts in him, and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy, and with my song I praise him. So wait a minute. Jesus is telling me not only to trust him, but to also be joyful? I wasn't so joyful. Regret is one of the most painful things we will most certainly suffer in loss. The woulda, shoulda, couldas, I had many. Paul tells us in Philippians 3.13, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do is forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forward to those things that are ahead. When I could pray, I prayed for time. I wanted the pain to go away quickly. But friends, I have learned that this is not the answer. Oh, God answered that prayer because 11 years have flown by and I'm much older. However, the pain of loss of our beautiful son is a lifetime journey. But you know what? I wouldn't train that pain at all. That pain tells me that Jimmy is with us always, always. Those tears are welcomed and wanted. Psalm 58, 
56.8 says, You keep track of all of my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. This tells me that God grieves with us. Revelation 21.4 tells us that God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying, or pain. How I long for that glorious day. I believe Jimmy was searching. He had a few tattoos, and the last one he had done had taken me by surprise. He had scripture from Matthew 6.25-34 through 34 inked on his back. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, in all of his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry by saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now I know that that doesn't necessarily give him a free card into heaven because he had scripture on his back. But it does tell me that he read it. I believe he was searching. I believe he was searching for relief from his anxiety and depression. And Jesus was that answer. And that gives me so much hope. Our family wanted to give back while remembering our beautiful boy. So a family friend organized a fundraiser for the Tourette's Association of Ohio. Was a dine and donate at Applebee's. From the time he was a little boy, this was Jimmy's favorite place to go. In following years, we formed Team Jimmy with NAMI, National Alliance of Mental Illness. We were walking with a purpose. Lastly, Jimmy's, be Jimmy's memorial bench was installed at North Olmsted Park. He spent many days there playing basketball. During my grief journey, Jesus has shown me that I will survive. Something that seemed so questionable early on. I have learned that the Lord doesn't make mistakes, regardless of a few who mean well by saying, it was in God's plan. Let me be clear. What happened to our son on that dark, lonely night 
was not what God had planned for him. Humans make mistakes. In times of deep sorrow, I remember praying for signs from God that Jimmy is okay. I thought, is that even allowed? I mean, it is God. Then I realized that is exactly why I should be asking him. I realized that the thoughts and memories of this boy that would bring a tearful smile are answered prayer. I began to see things that I never noticed before. I kept seeing hearts. I tried to capture some of the images. Jimmy used to send us messages on notes to let us know when he was going out on his bike or to a friend's house. He would sign it with a heart and always signed, Love, Jimmy. Each time I would get anxious about his eternal home, a memory would come to mind of how proud I was of him for taking ownership of mistakes that he had made then moving forward to try and correct them. For me, this was huge. I know that these thoughts and memories occurring when I needed them most are not a coincidence, but Jesus making a way for me to carry on. In some strange way, I feel as though God was preparing me, the people he placed in my path, the timelines of things that have happened, Jesus has truly been my strong tower. He has given me the strength for this battle, the most difficult in my life, and I am so very grateful. I love what God's word tells us in Isaiah 40, 28 through 31. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints or grows weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and he increases their strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary and young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength and rise up with wings of eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. God gifted this beautiful boy to us for 22 years. We are forever grateful for choosing us to be Jimmy's parents. Because of Jesus, we will be okay. Romans 14.8, Paul says, For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, We are the Lord's. Friends, God is still good and merciful, and his love endures forever. I pray you trust him. As we light these four candles in honor of you, we light one for grief, one for courage, one for our memories, and one for our love. The light of the first candle represents our grief. The pain of losing you is intense. It reminds us of the depth of our love for you. The light 
of this second candle represents our courage to comfort our sorrow, to comfort each other, to change our lives. This third candle is a light to all of our memories of you, to the times we laughed, the times we cried, the times we were angry with each other, the silly things we did, the caring and joy you gave us. This fourth candle is the light of our love. As we enter this holiday season day by day, we cherish a special place in our hearts that will always be reserved for you. We thank you for the gift your life brought to each of us, and we love you always. I don't know how you feel I'm not gonna try, my friend Just want you to know I'm here I'll walk with you till the end You and I both know there's really nothing I can say Words just can't replace the loss or take the pain away I've heard it all gets better It'll all make sense somehow Not here to give you answers That just won't help right now It's so hard to see the plan What the Father's gonna do All I know in this moment Yes, I know He's weeping here with you we know the wounds will heal but until that great day there's not a single tear he doesn't feel the same i've heard it all gets better it'll all make sense somehow not here to give you answers that just won't help right now. So hard to see the plan, what the Father's gonna do. All I know in this moment, yes, I know, 
Thank you for allowing us to honor your loved ones today. We hope that this service has brought you some peace, some healing, some hope. We will continue to pray for you during this holiday season. If you would like prayer after the service, someone will be in our prayer room right through those doors to your right. If you are looking for more resources to help you in your grief journey, we will have, uh, Grace will be offering a class on Wednesdays beginning January 11th. Uh, called Grieving with Hope. Please register because space is limited. Widows of Worth will have their luncheon in the spring. And there's an organization outside of Grace called Cornerstone of Hope. They offer groups, services, and other resources. We would love for you to join us in the venue upstairs on the second floor after the service for a light reception. And we pray that, we, that you feel love and hope that Christ has to offer. Know that you are never alone in your grief. Jesus is always by your side. Merry Christmas.